Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to, you know it's fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. I am your host, my name is Brian Breaker, and welcome back to the show. We have a great guest this week. He is a returning guest, the one and only Daniel Cross, former WLW heavyweight champion, which of course, as you guys know, World League Wrestling, where I got my start, uh, Harley Race's promotion up there in Missouri uh, that we both trained at um, back in the... Uh, Geez, he got there probably the mid-2000s. I got there around 2007 or so, and uh, we became buddies. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. Since that time, we've really be, kind of become better friends just through, uh, like, uh, collecting, oddly enough. And I think it was something that we both probably were into but didn't really talk about. I think it's like a, it's kind of considered a faux pas in wrestling. Um, there's a lot of faux pas in wrestling. Um, that You know, if you're listening to this and you're not a wrestler, you may not be aware of it. If you are a wrestler, you're probably very very familiar with what I'm talking about. Uh, one of them being wrestling t-shirts. Did you guys know about that? Did you know that wrestling t-shirts can be a faux pas? And uh, I heard it best described this way. And and honestly, to this day, this is kind of how I do my wrestling shirts, right? So you can wear a shirt of an event you were at or of your friend or of someone you were a fan of as a kid. But you really shouldn't wear a current day shirt of a guy. So by that um, logic, right, I can wear a shirt of Razor Ramon, you know, who recently we recently lost. He passed away. Rest in peace. Um, or I could wear a vaudeville shirt, you know, for my buddy Simon Gotch. But I couldn't wear a Finn Balor shirt because I don't really I've never met him. I don't know him. So. I would just be a fan and, and that's such a weird thing to think. And I know for the longest time um, in wrestling, it's always about like trying to kind of slide under the radar at different points and not, <laughs> not get heat as they say. Um, so that's always kind of been a weird thing. Nowadays, I'm just like, you know what? Let people do whatever the hell they want to do. You know, like we can, you can get up in arms about stuff like that, but really that's not that important. You know, I, and I remember, um, a kid showed up to train with us in Missouri and, uh, he would first day he wears like a Ray Mysterio shirt. And it's almost like you're just putting a target on your back when you're in wrestling. Like, yeah, you're probably going to get made fun of for that. And, it, and really it shouldn't be a big deal, but that's just kind of how it is sometimes. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of faux pas in wrestling, but uh, you know, like I said, I think with figure collecting, it's a little bit more open now with uh, the influx of podcasts and things like that. But at the time, not really something we talked about, and so we—I don't think we really knew this about each other until uh, until many years later. But we kind of dive into that a little bit. We talk about wrestling. We tell fun stories. Daniel has so many fun stories, um, and you know, he's kind of doing his own thing. He has a Facebook page called Atomic Fandom, where he's kind of just posting fun stuff, you know. Um, I know one he like he did uh, just wrestlers appearing on television shows, you know, like 
Vader, who was just inducted into the Hall of Fame, was in um, Boy Meets World and in Baywatch. You know, King Kong Bundy was on an episode of Married with Children. You know, a lot of wrestlers have made different uh, appearances on television shows, which is definitely a fun thing to to uh, to dive into. So. It definitely will be a fun episode this week. And, of course, I want to give a shout-out to Justin James. Um, I guess last week a lot of people really enjoyed that. Um, Justin's a great dude. He's kind of gotten out of the business, but he has so many stories to tell. I'm sure he'll be back on again sometime down the road because uh, that's what this show's about. I like having different guests on. I like talking to different people on different journeys of pro wrestling, you know, like you know Justin James and Daniel Cross. Uh, wrestling's kind of behind them. Then a couple of weeks ago I had Mick Drake, and I think he's still got some stuff to do in wrestling. I also want to talk to people who maybe are just getting started in wrestling or transitioning in wrestling. Um, I plan to talk to a whole wide variety of people. I got several people lined up um, to record with, so I'm looking forward to it, man. It keeps it keeps this show fun, and um, you know, keeps me talking to different people and you know, hearing different stories. And you know, I think this show will grow and evolve uh, as time goes on, and I think that that's a, a really cool thing. So. I'm not going to take any more time on this open. I'm going to kick it over to my conversation with Daniel Cross. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to You Know It's Fake, right? Joining me over Skype this week, uh, he is a returning guest. He was actually on episode four back in uh, early 2021, the one and only Daniel Cross. Daniel, it's been a while. How you been, man? Hey, hey, uh, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Just, you know, staying busy with uh, with life and work and all that other stuff. So, got to make time for podcasting, hey. you know? I hear you. So, what's new with you, man? It's uh, I know since the last time we talked, you've actually moved recently. Yeah, yep. We uh, So, we lived in Eldon for, well, so I lived in Eldon when I went to the Harley Race Wrestling Academy, moved away in 08, got married, moved back in 2015, <clears throat> and then uh, with my new job, I just got a promotion uh, over the summer, so we uh, had to relocate for that. So I'm actually back in Concordia, Missouri, where I grew up. So, so yeah, I've pretty much been back and forth a couple of times. I got I to gotta think, when you moved out of Eldon in 08, were you like, well, I'll never live here again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was kind of the initial thought. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that was really planned. It's just kind of where we ended up, kind of like coming back to Concordia. Sure. It just uh, all kind of happened. But, hey, here's a, here's a good one. You'll appreciate this, being from Eldon. <clears throat> so a few years back when we were still living in Eldon, uh, I had a friend who lives around this area in Concordia, and we were visiting them, and we were outside playing with our kids. And we just mentioned that, oh, you know, it's so nice to be outside and not – not here slamming doors and people yelling at each other and police sirens and all that. So uh, and they're like, why? Like, well, you know, that's kind of how Eldon is. So anyway, we drove back to Eldon that night. And we pulled into Dollar General just uh, my wife had to get something. And uh, seriously, as soon as we pulled in, there's a cop car, and he's one of the cops. There's two cops, and one of the cops has one girl on the hood, and so we cracked our window because we wanted to hear, you know, what they were saying. So it has the girl on the hood, and she's yelling, it wasn't mine, it wasn't mine. And then uh, the other one's on the phone, like, we're being arrested, we're being arrested. And the cop's yelling at her to put down the phone, and we're like, ah, it's good to be home. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it kind of goes with the territory, right, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. So last time I was in Eldon uh, was actually, like, October of 2020. 
Um, that's actually when we recorded that episode of the fake podcast. Uh-huh. And uh, I recorded some with Jack Gamble and Dan Geyer while I was in town. So during the course of my like two or three day stay in town there, I had to go, of course, to Walmart for something. And, you know, I went to the Eldon Walmart. And like there was a lady that was a cashier there that I vividly remember being a cashier when I lived there <laughs> when I moved away in 2012. And I'm just like. Man, things do not move fast in Eldon. <laughs> no, they do not. Yeah, definitely uh, an interesting place. I know we've we've probably talked talked about this before, but I know when I you know first heard about the Harley Race Wrestling Academy, I didn't know anything about the town of Eldon, Missouri. You know, this was, I mean, the internet was around, but I wasn't looking up like population of a town or you know anything like that. And so uh-huh. I just assume it's going to be like I've told people. I guess I assumed it was going to look like the Performance Center, right? I mean, because. None of us really knew what a wrestling school probably was until we got to one. Um, I assume that it's it's Harley Races Academy. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. He's one of the most well-known wrestling trainers at this point in the United States. It's going to be top-of-the-line school. It's going to have full-time <laughs> employees, you know, 100 students. Not really the case. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, it was, you know, when we went, actually, when you guys, uh, I was gone by that point. But it started out in that little, uh, oh, I don't know you call it, there on the main drag there in Eldon, kind of like a little apartment store. It was actually a Ben Franklin's at one time, which was like a precursor to Walmart. But uh, It was right, anyway, right next door to the gym there. Yeah, yeah, so it started out there. And then actually you guys moved to a really nice facility after that, at least I thought. At least it was an, I thought it was an upgrade. Oh, it was definitely then, an upgrade. Uh, I don't remember what the deal was. You probably do because you're there. But then you moved to that horrible like storage shed. <laughs> so that, that was what, even worse than the first one. Yeah. What happened there, if I remember correctly, it was like a paper plant or something like that. Like, a, I don't remember, but they made like paper, toilet paper, paper towels, stuff like that there. I, I if I remember right. And uh-huh. we moved there. I just assumed that was our building. Oh no, that was not the case. We were renting. And so basically they were given, I think Harley was giving like three months notice. Like, Hey, you need to find a new place. And so during the course of that time is actually when I went to Japan the first time. So this was 2011. And um, basically they packed everything up while I was gone. And, you know, I'm getting – because Facebook was a thing already. So I'm getting messages like, hey, we found a new building. I'm like, oh, awesome. I'm assuming it's going to be less than what we had, but I certainly was not expecting a storage (laughs) shed by any stretch. Yeah, that was – I don't know. I've – Sometimes, you know, it's weird in wrestling that, you know, some days training is, you know, harder than others and can even be a little depressing sometimes. And right. I imagine going to that storage shed was a little depressing. <laughs> we talk about Compared a, to what you just had. You oh, know? it was such a culture shock to be like from, you know, a you know, two ring facility to this, like you said, a storage shed. And I remember at that point. When we were there, because I, I left in 2012, so I was about gone. The guy running it kind of at the time was like, well, we need we need a, a, a bigger building so we can set up both rings. And I'm like, we have six students. Do we need two rings? Like, that was yeah. my thoughts anyway. And, you know, anyway, it was what it was. But, yeah, I mean, that's like the a, thing. Was that building kind of a motivation for you to leave as well? <laughs> well, I mean. Like, well, I think my time's done here. Well, I ended up getting signed is why I left. But, yeah, I mean, oh, that's pr- right. pretty much I was – Telling myself, like, I'm not spending another year here. Like, after, and I know three years probably doesn't seem like a long time. It ended up being, like, right around five. But at three yeah. years, I was like, if I'm not out of here in a year, I'm done. 
right at almost a year from that point, I started getting noticed by WWE. So I'm like, well, I can't leave now. And then, right. yep. then almost, and then I, I, I got like my first like taste of like, they're interested in September of 2011 and then eventually got signed in like March of 12 and left in about June or July. So it was definitely a uh, interesting time. That's for sure. But yeah, dude, uh, it was a culture shock to say the least. And I, and I know at that point, you know, cause I wasn't really running the website or anything and you know, BJ had passed away. So there was really nobody updating the website. So we got a call like once a week trying to find the school because they're, they're pulling up. Well, I see the taco bell, but it doesn't say anything about a wrestling <laughs> school around here. Yeah. Yeah. I went and looked at that building one time. Oh, I think you were there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I might've even wrestled there for a day just to come back. I would do that every now and again. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a rough place to train. Like, you'd hit the ropes, and either you did or you felt like you are going to hit the wall on both sides. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was uh, not upscale. Well, and, like, we would, you know, as you know, we would all do our squats and push-ups and stuff. I mean, there was, like, no room to do it anywhere in there. There was no floor space. Yeah. It was, it was, an, interesting, it was an interesting transition. But I think it, I think, further proved, like, wow. This is pro wrestling, right? Like, it's not as glorious as you oftentimes think. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you ended up, like you said, you ended up leaving WLW in 2008, I believe it was. Um, I'd been there for a few months, but you ended up having your last match and then taking off. Was that the plan at the time? Were you just like, I can't do this anymore? What kind of led to that decision to to kind of... Yeah, I mean, it was a a handful of things. I think, uh, as you've kind of mentioned... I think all of us that moved to Eldon, there, I don't know, there just came a point where after four or five years, if you haven't done anything, it's not that you quit wrestling, but maybe you think about relocating somewhere else or starting a career on the side uh, while you're still pursuing wrestling. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like college. You can only stay so many years there. And some people stayed there, you know, a lot longer than that. But for me, I mean, it was just, uh, random stuff like you know i got a really bad back injury that i thought just needed you know to a little bit of rehab and take some time off um also around that time i just uh like i said i'd reach that point where i'm just like i don't think there's much here for me and i was i wasn't homesick but it's all i kind of knew so i moved back to concordia around that time there's also a bunch of like drama and stuff around that time too that kind of made didn't make it very enjoyable. You know, I talked about kind of uh, sometimes going to training was depressing, and mm-hmm. uh, it was it was that way. You know, a lot of people were getting heat for stuff that really wasn't their fault, and oh, yeah. it just kind of typical kind of wrestling stuff. And once you get heat in wrestling, you know, and it, it all depends, but a lot of times it's really hard to get back into people's good graces and <laughs> and kind of shake that off. And I I had never had any problems with anybody, but just seeing all the – uh, stuff around me, you know, I didn't, it was one of those things, like I said, just kind of extra motivation to, to leave, I suppose. So no, yeah, So it was, a, it was a combination of a lot of things. The main thing was just my back. I, I knew I needed a, some time off. So yeah, the heat and wrestling is such a, uh, interesting thing that you touched on there because it is so true. And, you know, when I first got there, well, not when I first got there, I'd been there a few months, but there was a big, uh, like changing of the guard, I guess. And the head trainer got switched and we had this big meeting and I'm like so oblivious to what's happening. Cause I'm just showing up <laughs> to training and we had this big meeting about 
respect and this and that. I'm I'm like looking. I'm like I have no idea what is happening right now. <laughs> and and all and all it was, if I remember correctly, it all had to do with uh, a girl, which you know that's kind of the standard thing for a bunch of guys, right? There's always going to be drama with women. It just it just seems so ridiculous. And then of course it's almost like you have to choose sides and whose side are you on? And you know, and it's, it's, it's so much like high school at times. And then what's funny is you mix that. And then I started waiting tables at Chili's and there was drama there too. Yep. And I was like, so completely checked out of that. I just didn't even care. You know, I came in, I worked, I left and didn't really say or do much. I talked to guys there that I was friends with, but that was basically it. It was just, it was tough, and that's a, that's the part about pro wrestling. I don't think people totally get. It's like people online often speculate. I wonder why this guy's push just stopped. It's like, yeah, he's probably got heat with somebody that matters. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then you know, as you would know, you know, you get you move on from there, and you get into WWE or or a, a developmental system. It's even you know ten times worse. And mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just weird. Like I said, I never really had heat. I don't think I did. So I got. I got in trouble. One, like the most heat I ever got was, uh, uh, let me think. So Harley and BJ, they were talking about bringing in Triple H. And I worked in the office. So uh, BJ had told me, he said, hey, you know, keep it to yourself. But I think Triple H is coming in for this show. And uh, I told one person, <laughs> and uh, and it wasn't even him who let the cat out of the bag. But I just, I went up to, uh, so it was Ace Steel. He worked in the gym, and I knew he was trying to get signed at the time. And I said, hey, I said, don't don't tell anybody, but you might want to try to get on this show on December, whatever it was. And he said, oh, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, you know, Triple H is coming, and if you want to get a look, you know, that might be a good spot. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. I won't say anything. And he didn't. Um, but then I get to the show, and then it's all around the locker room. And it wasn't him. It was BJ's son, Rob. Right. <laughs> who uh, BJ, you know, got on the phone and said, oh, Triple H is coming in. So then Rob goes up to everybody in the locker room at that show and says, uh, hey, did you hear Hunter's coming in? Hunter's coming in. Did you hear Hunter's coming in? Mm-hmm. So then that gets back to BJ, and she automatically assumes it was me. <laughs> and uh, she said, do you tell anybody? I said, oh, I, said, I told one guy. I, said, I just want to make sure he could, you know, get on this show so he could get a look. And, uh, anyway, yeah, long story short, you know, me and that other guy, I think got a little bit of heat, uh, me and Ace. And then, you know, of course, Rob can never do anything wrong in BJ's eyes. Right. (laughs) But it wasn't, it wasn't difficult to get heat with BJ. And once you got it, it was really hard to shake it. But yeah, that's that's luckily I had, I had built up a pretty good credibility where I didn't have heat for too long. (laughs) Yeah. It's just one of those things like that story is so Here's an interesting story. Uh, Darren Wade, who you know, was doing uh, doing a match, and it was like this weird bot show from this other guy. But Rob got on it, BJ's son, because he wanted because uh, it was a good payday, and so he got on it as the referee. Well, Darren Wade was doing a tag match, and he had um, you know a lot of false finishes in the tag match. Rob complained to BJ. As best we understand it, anyway, that Darren was purposely trying to blow me <laughs> up with all the false finishes. So she removed. She had Harley removed Darren from uh, extra work that was coming up in a couple of weeks. 
Yeah, geez. Yeah. So it's it's one of those <laughs> and weird. That's just, that's just how Darren wrestled too. He always had a lot of false finishes. Well, that's the thing is I'd wrestled him plenty of tag matches up to that point, and that's all he you know that's he loved his shine and he loved his false finishes. And I'm like, that's again, if you had watched him work, you would know that that's what it was. But they weren't there at the show, so she has nothing right. to base it on other than you know. His word, well, and, I'm, uh, and I'm sure Darren rubbed it in during the match, like, I would, <laughs> knowing he's blowing him up, but still, yeah. Right. Well, and I wouldn't put it past Darren to do something like that, but, I right. mean, at the same time, yeah, I mean, that's just how, how he wrestled, so. Right. And plus, if you're a ref and you can't keep up with the action, it's not really the wrestler's fault, you know? Exactly. It's, it's At that point, it's like he shouldn't of, be in there. what's going on. Yeah. 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 So, the thing about... Uh, <laughs> so, you want to hear a funny story yes, on that? Yes, please. Uh... Oh, I got to remember now. So I believe it was, you may even know the story, but Harley was a referee somewhere uh, for CM Punk and Cole Cabana back in their indie days. Do you, do you know this story? I do not. Oh, okay. So anyway, Harley, I don't know if it was, I think it was probably IWA, now that I think about it. But uh, so Harley was the ref, and he was, I mean, this would have been 2000, probably 2000, 2001, 2002. So uh, he was brought in as this referee uh, for Punk and Cabana. And uh, Harley went up to both of them and was like, you know all that back and forth stuff and up and down and up and down? And they said, yeah. It's like, we're not doing that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm not getting up and down all night. He's like, so figure out, basically, you know, don't have so many false finishes. <laughs> And it's different if it's Harley Race or <laughs> right or you well know, yeah Ron. Harley's sixty and you know paid his dues and right. you know was beat up from you know a crazy career so but, but, yeah, but also yeah, I too just thought, I just thought that was funny yeah and and but at least saying something beforehand as opposed to complaining about it afterwards is a completely different thing too <laughs> so yeah right yeah the whole the whole wrestling industry I think sometimes you know I I think at times we all have that thought. Right, because we we all ultimately probably get into the business in some form or fashion because we want to make this a career, and I uh, think sometimes when that when that's kind of like the realization of like if that happens, it may not be forever, it may be for a couple of years. Like so, that's not really a career, so to speak. Like, I mean, look yeah. at Ted DiBiase Jr. I thought he was going to be a lifer, and he was only there like three or four years, maybe. Yeah, it, it's weird. I actually, you know, I when I went to the WWE, I think after the first or second time there, maybe 2005, mm-hmm. I already, and I'm not one of those guys that just says, you know, where you've heard it before, an indie guy will say, oh, WWE offered me a contract, I'd never take it. Right. You know, even though they would. Of course they would. <laughs> but uh, I can say, honestly, I don't know if I ever would have turned down a contract, but I do know. Like, after my second or third time there, it was a place, I was like, this is really not a place that I'm real excited to be, you know, I don't know that I'd ever actually want to be here. Yeah. Uh, Now, if somebody offered me a deal and there was money, you know, that I'm sure that would change, just like anything, but it's like, there's just so much drama and walking on eggshells, even at that time, and even, it's like tenfold now from what I hear. Yeah. But even back, even back then, it was terrible, you know, you could get heat for nothing. I watched... Oh, who's that guy from, that little guy from Tough Enough, Josh Matthews. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched him just get abused on, and I was, like I said, I was only there like, I mean, overall, I probably went to WWE a dozen times, but, so, I'll give you, here's some more stories. So, 
Josh Matthews, uh, first off, first time I ever saw him was he was going to leave early. Uh, the Undertaker's uh, SmackDown Undertaker was going to be in a dark match uh, at the end of the show. So I guess a dark, dark, mm-hmm. I think is what they called it. Or so like a, uh, Yeah, it's like a, a dark at that end of the show. The, non, kind of thing. the non-televised main event. Yeah. So Undertaker was in it, and Josh Matthews had his bag, and we were all back there at the monitor, and he starts walking out, and JBL just rips into him. You know, you're, you know, the Undertaker's in the main event, and you're going to leave early, and I mean, yelling in front. There's probably 50 people, you know, there by the monitor. Oh yeah. And he makes him like sit down in a chair in the front row and watch the monitor in the back, and uh, just ripping him to shreds. And then this other time, same thing, JBL again. So I'm guessing him and Josh Matthews didn't get along. I believe this was actually the first time um, I was at WWE, but they were doing a a pre-tape backstage, and it was JBL and Orlando Jordan, I think. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they were together. And Josh Matthews was the interviewer, and they were setting up for this match where, if you remember, it was Orlando Jordan and JBL versus Josh Matthews and Booker T on SmackDown. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, so Josh Matthews, they're doing a pre-tape interview, and at the end of the pre-tape, uh, to set up for this match, JBL is going to smack Josh Matthews in the face, like slap him. So what what they would do, and then there was a couple other lines after that, so it was obvious JBL would smack Josh Matthews, I mean super hard, and then JBL would intentionally mess up his next line, so they would have to do it again. <laughs> So they did this three or four times. JBL would smack him, and then, you know, he would either say, oh, I didn't like how that sounded. Let's let's roll that again. Or he'd, you know, like I said, mess up his next line. And it got to the point where Josh Matthews, one side of his face was so beet red and swollen, they actually had to, like, switch sides and redo the interview from the other side to, like, hide that side of his face. Jeez. <laughs> And he couldn't, like, turn, you know, cause, and he had to, like, keep straight forward looking at JBL and not turn to the camera because the whole side of his face was just, like, almost purple at that point. <clears throat> so, anyway, you know, seeing those things, I was like, oh, man, I would, I just, this is not fun. This is not a fun place to be. And I know bullying, maybe it's, it's supposedly not a big thing anymore, but, I mean, as far as that goes, but, you know, you still get heat and, you know, obviously, as you've seen, you get released, and there's obviously a lot of problems in WWE over the last four or five years. No one's job is safe, so I don't know. It's not a place for me. Well, not only that, it was like pretty much I was told in developmental, you have to become someone's guy. If you become someone's guy, they'll speak up for you, and then people don't like to disagree. Well, the guy that spoke up for me was Ricky Steamboat, which sounds like a, a like a plus, right? Like, that's good. But the problem with that, Ricky Steamboat got let go right before I did. So now it's like yeah. now you're kind of, you know, on an island by yourself. And he liked me because, you know, I had – he had seen me a handful of times at Harley's camps and stuff and, and liked my work and kind of put in a, a good word for me. So when I got there, he was happy I was there. And, you know, requested me to be in his classes, which I was great. I mean, like, who wouldn't want to learn from Ricky Steamboat? It was awesome. And then, yeah. you know, some stuff happens with Richie as far as injuries are concerned. And they basically remove Ricky as a, a coach, which is baffling to me. But, you know. Yeah, no kidding. But that's let's keep build. Let's keep Bill DeMott around, though. 
Well, I mean, we we definitely need the C Squad WCW guys before yeah. you know Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. There's a good idea, but I digress. He gets let go, and it was pretty much like at that point, I'm on an island by myself now. And so, and that was the, the, the that was the culture that everybody knew. If you're someone's guy, you're fine for the most part, unless the office yeah. like. But then again, like I saw a switch on a dime where someone was like hated someone in the office was like hey what about this guy and then all of a sudden everybody loves him like that legitimately happened where i saw yeah. it happen and it was just like good lord so it's well even now i don't even know if you're safe because you know we've right. seen lately what's happened all triple h's guys are getting released and uh it's yeah i don't know i don't know what's going up there it's a different world it really is and i'm being you talk we text pretty regularly about everything and it's just like what is going on here like it just seems like such a a different company than it was like say three years ago it just seems completely yeah. different like i you know i know it's there's a part of it where it's like i don't want to just be another guy complaining about the wrestling business but at the same time like when you see what wwe's doing i mean i'm to the point where i don't care about their history their legacy i would love to just see them go under and make room for somebody else because at this point they treat people like crap uh they release all these guys uh, with no, little to, to no notice, actually no notice at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they do things that just don't make sense. They don't push the right people. They push guys that don't, that other people that don't make sense. And even to the point where like Triple H, who I think people have different, you know, theories on him, but for the most part seems to be want to do what's best for the business. And now they're just releasing all these guys, what seems to be just to spite him, you know? Right. <laughs> To, to bring him down a couple notches. You know, I don't know what their motivation is. So it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what's happened in the last five years, but it's just uh, just a horrible place from what I can see. And I hated AEW at first, but now I'm at like, you know what, I hope they make it, and I hope they do well, and I hope they put WWE out of business because someone needs to because, I don't know, I don't like, I just don't like it anymore. I haven't watched anything WWE-related in a long time. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Well, I mean, I know this is another thing, too, with WWE, and people may deny this or, like, oh, no, that's not what they're doing. But I have seen on numerous occasions them do things just to embarrass people on television. Like, yeah. I mean, Jim Ross, I think, was probably the biggest victim of that of anyone I've ever seen, some of the stuff they made him do. Oh, yeah. And it's almost like it's like, is this just like some type of perverted enjoyment by Vince? Like. You know what I mean? Like, there's just yeah. so many just weird things where I remember even, like, what, like thinking, like, wow, this is just not even comfortable. Like, this is not – this is a far cry from entertainment. It's not even comfortable. Like, this has nothing to do with wrestling. And yeah, or all those – for those uh, number of years, probably in the late 90s to early 2000, were pretty much – at some point or another, every diva had to make out with Vince McMahon on camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or remember he made Trish like walk around and bark like a dog in her in her eighties yeah. and stuff, and it's like, and I've heard her interviewed about it, and she was like, "Well, no, I knew where this was going, and this was a story," and it's like, yeah, but that's still just a <laughs> bit much, don't we? I mean, obviously in two thousand or two thousand one, when oh, that yeah. was, it was a different world, but still today, it's like, good lord, that is not that is not entertainment. No, no, not at all. I mean, I, I always go back to um, wrestling fandom, like like what hooks people to be a wrestling mm-hmm. fan. 
And, you know, for me, I think it was a lot of things, but I think it was to me, I always look and I think it was probably larger than life characters. Right. You see someone yeah. like Macho Man wearing all the crazy outfits and the colors and, you know, the sunglasses or warrior with the paint and the hair and the tassels or Hogan with the big stash and the shirt. And then you throw in like Legion of Doom with the paint and the spikes oh, yeah. and, you know, the big boss man was a cop and Jake Roberts had a snake and there was something about that era where it was like, it was just, you see this, and you're like, what is this? I don't know what this is, but I kind of want to see more. And so I don't know, like, it, oh, it yeah, certainly grabs, wasn't like your attention. Yeah. And so I don't think it was like, channels. I don't think it was like wrestling, you know, like pure wrestling action that drew me in. It was characters and stuff. So I get that. But I oftentimes wonder, I'm like, what? is grabbing the next generation. Like what about the products that they put out today where people are like stumble upon this and are like, this is great. I got to watch more because now with streaming and on demand, there's no like flipping the channels for wrestling anymore. Not, not as much anyway. So I kind of wonder what they're doing to grab that next generation. That's a good point. Nobody's flipping channels anymore. So yeah, if you're, if you're not grabbing their attention through that little, uh, Whatever that is, the little picture as you're going through your streaming services. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I don't either, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely different. I mean, I know, like I remember during the COVID era, they did a match where I was like, we're going to do a Money in the Bank ladder match, but it's going to be inside Titan Tower. <laughs> right. and I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun. And that was like the, one of the worst things I'd ever seen. It was so bad. But it's yeah, like... Yeah, that was, uh, so that was after the... Uh, Oh, the Boneyard with AJ Styles and Undertaker. So I think everyone's hopes were high. Yeah. They're like, oh, that was really good. And they're like, oh, okay, cinematic. And I even thought so, too. Like, maybe this is like, and I think I even told you that. I'm like, well, maybe this is the direction wrestling needs to go. Maybe everything just needs to be cinematic and do an entire show of nothing but cinematic matches. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also, you got a lot of garbage with them, too. <laughs> well, and even before that, there was, I never saw it, but there was a match with, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton mm-hmm. in a swamp or something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that turned out to be really bad, too. So I guess we knew that they weren't all going to be gold. Well, and that's the thing is I thought with the cinematic matches, I was like, so basically this is going to be more or less a fight scene. But, like, the yeah. fact that they had to start, like, at the lower level and work their way all the way up the building. And I'm like, oh, this could be kind of like the movie Rat Race where it's like yeah. <laughs> you take all these people, like, there's a X amount of dollars in a locker. Go. And they're all just like, what? <laughs> it's like, go. Yeah. Whoever gets there first gets it. And so some people, you know, take a, a car, a train, whatever, you know. And so I thought, oh, that could be kind of fun because you could do all this stuff. Like you could tie somebody up. You could, you know, lock people in closets to try to like to try to keep them from getting up there. Like there's all these things you could do. But it just ended up being just total crap. And I don't yeah. know. It was just one of those weird things where it's like, man, this is uh, they're trying, I guess. But this is not the answer. Yeah, so I actually, I talked to, uh, so it had been 2004 or five. I talked to Terry Funk, and he actually predicted pretty much everything that's going on now. Really? He said, yeah, it was really weird. So he said, uh, of course, he was dating back even five, six years previous, but he said, he said, look at everything that wrestling's done in the last five years. So you're thinking 2004, going back maybe to 99, 98. Mm-hmm. He said they've they've set people on fire. They've thrown people off of cages. He said, you know, where do you go from there? He said, there is nowhere to go. 
Right. He said, so he said the business is just going to naturally decline from this point on and probably won't even be around. And yeah, I think he said 10 years, but, uh, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't too hopeful. And then he did say something like, and they're going to have to start, you know, uh, trying out such ridiculous stuff that's so far away from wrestling, it won't even resemble it. And he was pretty much right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he really was. And that's, and that's what's so strange about it because, what do you do at this point to, to grab people's attention? I, I even talked to someone the other day and they were like, well, with AEW signing all these people, maybe they need another show to showcase everybody. And I'm like, do we really need five weekly AEW shows? Cause they've got the two yeah. YouTube shows. They got dynamite. They got rampage four pay-per-views a year. I guess they're doing like live specials. that are like an hour long now, which I'm fine with that, but it's like, my yeah, God, that's a weird thing too. Like, so, and I don't know, I guess it's, it's just different generation, but you know, I used to like, if, if this is, if all the wrestling content, if you could just take all of it now and transplant it into 1998 when I was in sixth grade, like I would do all that I can to watch every little bit I could. I probably would have recorded every show mm-hmm. and probably watched it twice over. Cause I would always do that with raw and, and those things. Um, but for some reason you translate that into today and people just don't have the time. You know, I don't know if the competition from streaming, it's always like there's always something else to watch, you know. Sure. Whereas if you're just flipping through the channels on a Monday night and it's either, okay, WWE or I'm going to watch this NBA game. Okay, well, WWE wins. I'm going to watch the WWE. Exactly, um, yeah. But today, it's you're not flipping through channels and just picking what's the best of, what's the best program out of these 30 channels I'm flipping through. You know, now you've got four or five streaming services with thousands of things to watch. Um, so I don't know if we're to that point where, you know, WWE or just wrestling in general just doesn't, like I say, doesn't translate well, like, into our culture. Like, I know that uh, live sporting events and all that stuff, like, everything's down, even before COVID. Like, everything was down. The interest just wasn't there. So right. maybe just sports in general are on the, the decline and, kind of fighting this battle against streaming services. So, you know, and wrestling kind of being stuck there in the middle probably doesn't help. So, Well, I know any time that there's something exciting in wrestling, I'm not too worried if I miss it because I know it'll be on Twitter, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Punk's debut, I was like, oh, I kind of want to see that, but it'll be on Twitter. <laughs> Him and MJF doing their promo battle, yeah, that'll be on Twitter. So it's not, it's not yeah. like a – it's not a concern a good if, point. if you miss something. And whereas before, like if you didn't miss Raw – if you missed Raw – like you just missed it. You might see yeah. some recaps, but there's no guarantee. But I mean, you talk about trying to watch everything. I remember back in the day, you'd hear like commercials, shotgun Saturday night, check your, uh, you know, your check your local listings. I could never find it. Cause it wasn't like on any channels I had. I'm, I'm trying uh-huh. to find shotgun Saturday night, you know, like that, even though I know it's like not a great show, but at the time it seemed like it was like, Oh man, I got to watch this, you know? And and like you said, it was it was always watching as much wrestling as possible. Like, there's so many shows on Netflix I want to watch that I haven't even checked out yet, because yeah. that's I think just kind of the the era we're in as far as how we watch our our television. And you know, I, another guy I was talking to the other day talked about like why aren't these wrestling promotions trying to get a deal with these streaming services? Like, there's a streaming service called Tubi. And it's actually yeah, yeah. a free service, and they I've have like a, yeah, they have a bunch of crappy movies on there and stuff. But how smart would that be if they were like, hey, we have um, every AEW show um, updated every week, 
check it out on Tubi. There's ads, so that's how they pay their bills. But every wrestling fan immediately is going to go to that because that's a way to watch it now. Like I, to me, like that would be smart sure. business. Yeah, and you know, I almost wonder. Maybe the answer isn't more wrestling, but less. I mean, I guess what would it look like? Let's say AEW or a similar company. I mean, what if you just made a solid one-hour show once a week, and then maybe do some live events, you know, for money or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, but you just do a solid one-hour show every week, leave everybody wanting more, have a have a, a roster of maybe twenty, thirty guys tops, you know, that you can actually manage and people get to know and and those things and feature your top guys. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's the answer. Cause it's kind of like, you know, every, like you watch any good drama on TV, it's all, you know, 45 minute shows. Yeah. And, it, and at it's the end of it, you're always, too. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Now it's like, yeah, especially the Netflix or you watch any of the Marvel, uh, TV shows now where it's like seven or eight episodes, right? All 45 minutes and people are dying, you know, for the next, the next episode. And, you know, I think maybe that's the direction wrestling needs to go and just kind of whittle down its its content because people aren't going to watch it all. And there's also that mentality of if I can't see if I can't see everything, I don't want to see anything. Right. Right. Well, and and that's the thing is I've I've wondered that a long a lot too with like WWE doing like superstars and main event. It's like who's actually watching? This? Oh yeah. You know, like they're obviously making it so. To them, it seems like it's a good thing, but like, who's actually been like, oh, can't wait for main event this week, you know? Yeah. I, or 205. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anyone that actually watches that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to wrestling, but at the end of the day, I think everyone keeps saying, like, oh, I think we're in another boom period. I'm like, I don't think we'll ever be in another boom period. And that's not me trying to be negative. It's just, yeah, no, it's, it's the facts. Yeah. I mean, so you had like wrestling in the 80s. I guess you could call it a boom period. Sure. Um, you know, so what do you, what was that? The big boom there was maybe, let's say, 87 to 91. Yeah. And then it, then it dropped off for seven, eight years. And then the Attitude Era picked up in 97. Mm-hmm. And then that pretty much dropped off in 2000 and, uh, you know, 21, 2001. Uh, so, I mean, you're looking at it's been over 20 years <laughs> since there's been any kind of boom. So, I mean, if it hasn't happened yet, I don't think it's going to. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's so telling. When they launched the WWE Network, a big thing that they were pushing out there was the new show called The Monday Night War. Because uh, in 2014, the best thing that they could push out was something that happened <laughs> in the 90s, you know? Yeah, so the, the time period between the 80s boom and the 90s boom, you're looking at five, six, seven years. Right. You know, and uh, maybe not even, maybe just four or five years. And like I said, it's been over 20 and nothing notable has happened. And, and you can see by the ratings and I know ratings are different now with streaming and everything, but mm-hmm. you know, ratings are just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can barely draw a million people where during the attitude era, they were averaging, I think like six or seven million people a week. Well, what's funny is somebody brought this up the other day and it really made me think they were like the average rating for impact in like 2000. 11 on spike AEW would kill for that right now. <laughs> yeah. Because that's how much it's changed. And like, yeah, I remember seeing the impact ratings in those days thinking like, Oh God, this show's awful. But yeah. you know, AEW's t- touting, Hey, we have a million viewers and I'm, and that's not like a bad thing. Like that's good that people are watching the show. And I, much like you, I want them to succeed. 
Because I think it's yep. good to have more wrestling companies for people to find work and stuff like that. But I don't know, man. It's just a it's a different time period, that's for sure. And I'm not I'm not sure, you know, like if, if WWE sells because that's the rumor. Which oh, I mean, yeah. Who knows? By the time this drops, it could be completely a done deal. But if they sell, will wrestling ever be like it was? No, I mean I doubt it. I think uh, it's never going to be like one guy like Vince McMahon running running a federation again. It's going to be you know a board of directors, and you know you might have a handful of guys like a Triple H or Johnny Ace or Bruce Pritchard. They'll kind of share the load of the wrestling side of it but i think it'll be a lot like wcw where you just have you know you have a board of people you have to answer to and then maybe there's one or two guys in charge but yeah yeah i don't i mean it's never going to be like a local homegrown thing ever again that just you know uh, organically gets big and popular yeah it's definitely an interesting thing but uh, to kind of shift gears over to something that's a little bit more fun um, we've talked about this on previous episodes, but you, uh, you've obviously always been kind of a, a figure collector, maybe not even so much a collector, but an admirer of figures over the years. Yeah. And, um, here more recently you dove into collecting pops. And of course, I believe I'm the one that told you careful. This is a slippery slope. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you have a pretty sizable collection these days, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of gotten out of control. I'm actually, uh, looking to rent a space at a place called Brass Armadillo, which I send you pictures of that place, which by the way, I think Brass Armadillo, it's like the number one, it's like the biggest antique slash thrift mall in Missouri. Oh, nice. But anyway, it's about, it's about 30 minutes from here, but I have a pretty sizable inventory that I can actually start selling off. <laughs> and I've been doing uh, some mystery boxes and things like that. And those have gone over pretty well. Yeah. Uh, putting six or I put 12 in a box, uh, over the summer that someone had bought. So, but, uh, yeah, it doesn't take long. See, so the reason I got into pops, one of the reasons I did like them, yeah. but I also like the price point, you know, right. you can get, you can get a pop for $8. You know, that's almost what you could do back in the day when you went and bought a figure. This, uh, is, exact, a little, this is like my exact thoughts yeah. why I collected them too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, uh, you know, $8, I could just pick one up. You know, I'm not paying 20 or $30 right. for a figure. You know, you can always find room to spend $8 on something. But the problem is when you start, you know, spending $8 four or five times a week, <laughs> uh, you know, every time you go to Walmart, that's uh, – so I haven't actually – I haven't uh, – I've uh, kind of tapered off a little bit. Sure. So I'm definitely not where I was, and I'm looking to – to kind of uh, squeeze down my, like, I would like to have, like, just a hundred solid pops that, you know, I'm happy to have instead of whatever I have right now. <laughs> right. And, uh, and you know, room to display them and things like that so it doesn't just look like a cluttered mess. Yeah. it's But, I mean, it is, it's true what you've said, too, though. You can always get your money back. Th- th- and, and that's, uh, it's a fair thing, you know, if anyone is listening and they have a partner that collects, <clears> there's always that to hold your hat on that you can... uh you can get your money back out of these most of the time if you're if you're smart about it. Um, I know with pops, and and I felt like this exact thing happened to you. Correct me if I'm wrong here. When I got into them, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on like a handful of lines that are fun, right? Yeah. And so yep. like they had Street Fighter at the time. I'm like, oh, that's fun. And if they ever make Mortal Kombat, I'll buy those. Um, 
maybe some of the DC characters. I don't know. Maybe some of the Marvel characters. I'll be careful. But then it's like, oh, they're Saved by the Bell. Well, I got to get all those. Oh, they made, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, geez, so many different goofy ones where it's like, oh, they made that. I got to get that, you know. And and it becomes this huge slippery slope. And then also what happens is they'll start just making these random exclusives. And you know that they're worth money. So you'll be at the store and you'll see, ooh, there's a chase. Oh, there's an exclusive. It's not something you want, but you can't not buy it because you know it's worth right. money. And so then you yeah, have, if you see a chase, you pretty much have to pick it up. Yeah, then you end up like it or not. Yeah, you end up buying it, and you're like, oh, there we go. And you're like, oh, I don't really. I mean, do I <laughs> do I need this? No, but it, and it just it's a huge slippery slope. It's I don't know. It's just one of those really. It's fun, but it's so interesting of a collection. And then also too, as you know, when you're at the different stores, because I mean, at the especially when I was collecting them like three or four years ago, it seemed like every store had pops. Oh yeah. So I remember going into a Hot Topic and they had a whole bunch, and I and I found Macho Man Randy Savage, the original with the orange trunks, and I'm like, Oh, nice. Oh, because I told myself, Well, I don't need WWE ones because I could just buy Elites. But then I saw it there, and I'm like, Well, I mean, I got to get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it's like, and then they hit you with, Well, they're actually, um, they're eleven dollars each, or you can get three for thirty. Well, gotta get two more because that's the deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, I end up getting. Uh, I think I found Robin from Batman the Animated Series. I'm like, that's kind of fun. Then I got Mr. T from the A Team. You know, because why not? And Dude, that one's worth that one's worth a little bit of money. Right, exactly. And that's the thing is like you kind of end up with this collection of so many random ones that you're. I don't know. It's just it's a slippery slope. But I think almost any collection can be that. You know, like. I started collecting the NECA Ninja Turtle figures because I thought those were fun. Now they're making so many random characters. I'm like, do yeah. I need, do I yeah, need these? Are. No, but man, they're kind of cool. And so, I don't know, man. It's just, it's tough. Well, what else has made uh, Pops kind of fun or even stressful is they uh, they have this app now, and I don't know if they had it when you were doing your thing, but uh, you you get a Pop and you can kind of monitor your own collection every, on a daily basis. It'll right. tell you this. This one's currently worth this. This one's going down. This one's going up. Mm-hmm. Um, it it orders them in in whichever way you want, either from how you the dates in which you bought them, or if you want to order them from prices all the way down. Right. You know. So I mean that you know checking that on your on your phone is almost as addictive as buying them yourself. Sure. But then also I kind of I kind of backed off because it was almost I don't know if you've ever gone through that, but it's it can almost be like stressful. Yeah. Like to collect because you feel like if you're not finding something, you feel like you have to spend, you know, hours hitting every single store, Walmart, Target, mm-hmm. thrift stores. You know, you feel like you're going to, that feeling of you're missing out on something. Oh and yeah, before you know it, you know, you've wasted an hour, two hours when you were just, you know, trying to pop into a store and seeing if they had anything. And then you got that feeling of, well, I, I want to buy something. So, yeah. you know, you, you run all over the place and, and you still don't find anything, and either you don't buy anything and you feel let down, or you buy something you really didn't want, or mm-hmm. you know. So I've I've kind of tried to learn to uh, to not do that and just kind of you know if I'm in a store and see something I like, you know, awesome, I'll pick it up, you know, but not to like you know go on hunting sprees like I probably did at one time. Well, and the way Funko does it, they make them so unique. Like there's also like. SDCC exclusives that are shared with a store. So mm-hmm. I remember at the time my job, I had an hour lunch break. And so I would grab something quick and hit a couple of stores during my break. 
and, you know, pop into a Walmart, a Target, a GameStop, whatever it might be. And like, oh, there's a SDCC exclusive, you know, got to get that, even though it's not yep. necessarily one I want, but you know what I mean? So yeah, it does become very stressful in that. So how many did you have at one time? Jeez, I don't know. I've sold off a ton of them, but I bet I had over 200 easily. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and and long. and it doesn't you like I wouldn't have ever thought that because I what I did is I opened a Notepad uh, app the, the Notepad app on my phone, and I would just write a uh, write a new one down every time I got it, and it would automatically number them. Uh-huh. And then I'm like 197. Is that right? There's no, there's <laughs> no way. There's no way I had that many. And and then it just like more and more you realize like holy crap. But again, what what had happened is I was getting a lot of mine at, at this store called Think Geek, which has since closed down, but it was kind of like a uh, a shared store with GameStop. But when I would go there, the reason I like to go there is they usually got pops before anybody else. So if something yeah. was brand new out, that's the best chance of, of finding it. But they always did buy two, get one free, which theirs were like 12 bucks. So, again, it's pretty well... Like after tax, it was like twenty seven or something. So it's basically you know three for ten. Uh-huh. But again, I would find something awesome that I wanted. It's like oh, they have the new Tommy Boy pops. I found him and Richard. Awesome, very cool. Got Tommy <laughs> and Richard. Well, I need a third one. Eh, I guess I'll get the Predator. I don't know who else to get. <laughs> so you end yeah, up. I'm with- kind of sucker. I'm a sucker for anything that kind of uh, goes back to my childhood or something I grew up on. You know. Well, yeah, and absolutely. You, kinda, you want that physical symbol of of uh, something that you remembered from your childhood. Well, yeah. And that's, and that's the thing is like, I never thought of like Tommy boy figures, but now that they have them, I have to get them. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I was going and trying to find like Marty McFly and doc Brown and, you know, then there's all these like little, it's cause it's all one collection, but they're all different. Like then I was like, Oh, I need to get all the horror guys. I need Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger and Jason and all them. And, and then just like they would make more and more, they're like, "Oh, I need to get those. Oh, I need to get that. Oh, that would be fun." And oh, they make all the guys from Home Alone. I need Harry and Marv and Kevin, you know. And so yeah, it just becomes this really long, drawn out thing where, and it's not a, a crazy amount of money, but honestly, for me, it was just space. That's what got oh, yeah. me is when I looked in my closet and I had them stacked up in boxes, and I'm like, "What am I doing?" You know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, that was kind of, so that's kind of one of the fun things. And then also, you know, there's so much stuff. So the, the upside is, you know, if you're into it, there's always something new to look at, mm-hmm. you know, rather than saying if you're just into He-Man, you know, waiting a year or right. eight months for something new to come out from He-Man. You know, with Pops, there's always something new coming out almost on a daily basis. So there's there's a lot of fun things to follow. Um, but then also, yeah, that's the stressful part is like, oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. I need that and this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've kind of gotten to the point where I don't go out of my way to really find them. But if one kind of falls in my lap, actually lately I've been, I've been enjoying just going and looking through, uh, thrift stores or antique malls mm-hmm. and finding things that's just kind of, uh, stuff I had sold off at one time. Sure. So like I had, uh, some swamp, uh, swamp thing figures and those are always some of my favorite growing up. So. I found one of those the other day, so I just picked it up for like five bucks. It was loose, and I don't need it on card or anything. So, um, yeah, so I mean, that was really cool. And uh, I'm trying to think. I found a, uh, a Jake Roberts Hasbro, picked that up for, I think, 10 bucks. And, you know, so I don't know. That's kind of the stuff I've been more into lately. But 
definitely, yeah, I mean, I'm not picking up even, I probably don't even get one thing a week anymore, where before I was getting several things a week. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's easy to do, and and that's the whole thing is, I again, the way you described it was exactly my own self-justification. Well, these are cheaper than action figures, so... You know, yep, just not when you buy twenty in a month, right? And that's <laughs> and that's the problem. And and then I thought, oh, it's so cool because they cover everything. But that's also the problem because they cover everything. Yep. Like I remember, like fantasy booking in my head, like how how cool would it be if they did Full House? How cool would it be if they did the Three Ninjas? How cool would it be if they did the Sandlot? Then they actually did do the Sandlot, you know. And so, oh yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah, it's it, exactly if if if, it, if there's a will, there's a way. They will make it happen. But yeah, it's definitely in a, an interesting. Interesting thing. I know uh, here a few months back, I was just walking through Walmart and I saw that they revealed or they released these Marvel zombies, Funko uh-huh. Pops. And I'm like, man, those are kind of fun. And that's just kind of its own side collection, right? It's not, it's, it's Marvel, but it's not like connected to the Marvel. So I'm like, how many do they have? I look on the back, there's four. And I'm like, oh, that's easy. Yeah. So I get online <laughs> and I realize, oh, well, they had a SDCC exclusive Magneto. That's going for 70 they have one that's in the Marvel Collector Core theme box. Well, that's going for probably sixty. And I'm and so I, I immediately like once I saw that, I just talked myself out of it. You know, I'm like, nope. <laughs> well, and since then, they I think they released a second wave of them, and have. then also now there's uh, What If, mm-hmm. where they have probably ten or twelve uh, zombie figures from the What If series that came out on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's never ending. But I haven't yet got to the point, so I, I haven't been like, it's a slippery slope, but I have been able to back off a little bit, and I'm really holding holding myself back from actually going full in on figures and starting to buy, you know, those 20 or $30 figures or elites, mm-hmm. so I'm still able to just kind of admire those from afar, <laughs> so, and it's been a year or two since I've really gotten into it, so I don't think I'm going to be buying those, because I just, I know I can't go down that road, I don't have... Don't have the money or that, the space. Yeah, that's the problem. Is and I'll end up divorced. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> you have to be careful because there's so many times I've seen something at a store and I'm just like, oh, that's cool, and that's usually kind of how it starts, right? It's like, oh, that's fun. Oh yeah. Because I know the last thing I saw that I talked myself out of was the new Marvel Legends. They're like three and three quarters, but they're on the uh, old. Yeah, those are cool. The old Marvel cards are ten bucks. So I'm like, oh, that's cheap. The figures are like very, very basic looking, but they have the cutout trading card on the back and really cool card art. And I'm like, man, that's fun. But again, I just knew I'm like, I can't. Well, and there's a ton of those now too. Well, there's like four or five waves, right? Plus exclusives. Yep. So I just, I, I was looking at it cause they had three waves out and I was like, Hmm, could I, could I collect all these over time? Yeah, probably. But I just, I just knew I, I'm like, I can't, I just can't go down this road again. And it's just. It's difficult, man, but I, I think... That like, is kind of the fun... Maybe the fun thing about collecting would be to just collect things that you know the line is over. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it be, you know, a really old thing from the 80s or 90s or maybe something more current. But, like, if you have a definitive beginning and end, maybe then dive in and say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and collect this whole line because I know there's only 10 figures. Right. And there's never going to be... There's never going to be more. It's just 10. Rather than starting to collect a line and you got four or five and then a year later they come out with 15 more and then a year after that they come out with 10 more. And right. 
where it's never ending. Well, and it feels like today more figures come out than back in the day. Like I feel like Hasbro had like one wave a year, maybe two. Yeah. It's not really the case anymore. It's like, man, they're like coming out, they're pumping out new ones all the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, it's just I, difficult. I, it seemed like, I don't know, am I wrong? It seemed like Jax used to come out with a lot of WWE figures, like several waves of things a year. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that could be different. That was, well, Jax just came out with a bunch of stuff regardless. And I think, I don't know, the Attitude Era, they were hot back then. So I'm sure the thought was, let's pump out as many of these as we can. Let's yeah. repaint everything that we can and uh, see how much we can make in a short period of time. Jax was also one of the first toy lines that I can recall where they had like their main line, but then like so many sub lines. Like, so you had like Mm -hmm. superstars and then you had like, you know, raw heat and shotgun Saturday night and the signature series and the fully loaded series, you know, like there were so many different sub lines. They were all the same figures, but it was just different ways to get guys in the collection. So what were your thoughts when they switched from the bone crunchers to, Titan Tron Live, were you were you mad about that? I was because I like the Bone Crunchers. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Have you seen that Cello Toys is actually redoing those? Uh, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, so they've got like uh, Blue Meanie and Adam Bomb and Gilberg and Ultimo Dragon. Uh, maybe I did see that then. Yeah, those I are. Think all I saw the Adam Bomb. Maybe those are all coming out. Um, they're called Bone Crushers. I guess it's like a love letter to the Bone Crunching. Like, uh-huh. I, I still say this. Like, it's not that I thought, like, Bone Crunching was, like, the best action figure ever, but that's what we had, so that's what, you know, that's what we played with. It wasn't like, you know, like, oh, these are the greatest figures of all time. But, like, when they did the Titantron Live ones, those were so bad, I thought, that it was like, why did you change it to these crappy ones? Well, yeah, and they look nothing like, I mean, it's almost like going from, you know, you have all these LJNs, and now you go to your Hasbros, or you have all these Hasbros, and now you got to go to Bone Crunchers. And, you know, when they switched to the Titan Tron Live, I was about out of it anyway, but that was the, the final nail for me and, you yeah. know, eighth grade or whatever it was. I'm like, all right, well, I guess, I guess I'm done. I'm not going to start diving into these. Yeah. I think, I think that's a lot of people kind of were like, okay, yeah, these aren't, these aren't good, you know? And I, and I think how they get people back into it usually is, well, that's the first Hardy Boys figures. That's the first, you know, Chris Jericho WWE figure, the first Kurt Angle. Yeah. And yeah. so that's how they get more people back into it. But yeah, I think um I think Mattel's done a really good job because they they've never actually relaunched their own line. They've all been congruent since the beginning. So if you have every elite, that's a pretty massive collection at this point. Oh yeah. So do you think uh I've always kinda had this theory, do you think when Jax came out with the uh the legends, the classic series or classic superstars do you think that kind of kicked off a lot of collectors, like in what we're seeing nowadays, as far as people, you know, collecting the legends, or do you feel like it's always been around to some extent? Because I feel like that kind of like jump started uh, a lot of people in, in collecting. Because I remember seeing those and just about getting back into it. I think so. Yeah, the first one I saw was the the Jacks Classic Superstar, like red, white, and blue Hogan. Mm-hmm which I think now that's like going for an insane amount of money. And I remember seeing just pegs and pegs of them, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I don't know. That was, I guess my question or thought too. Um, I think that had a big factor. Yes. Uh, but I think also too, around that time, which was like Oh three Oh four, probably that's kind of when things shifted from toys to kind of like 
well, they're still toys, but these are collectibles because I know Toy <clears throat> Toy Biz started doing a line called Marvel Legends, which were um, they were in like a blister pack. They came with a reprinted comic book and then like a display stand. And I uh-huh. remember seeing those, thinking like, man, those are fantastic. And I hadn't bought anything besides wrestling toys in years at this point, but. Yeah, seeing that it was like, wow, that's really cool. And I think other toy lines kind of followed suit into what we have now because I look at it like this, like I look at Playmates, right? They they've had the Ninja Turtles license since '87, but they've loaned it out to NECA to do their thing. And I'm like, they have to realize that that's a huge deal. So it's like they, I think they did. So that's when they started doing their little two packs, which those aren't very good. And I'm like, how do you not realize like? There's a huge market for this. Like, yeah. you know, put it out there. Let people buy it because they want to buy it. Like, especially like if they reprinted all the old classic Playmates figures, and they did do a few, but mm-hmm. do all the obscure ones too. That's the fun. That's the fun of it. Yeah, I think so. Well, and being a, I don't know, being a collectible, you can always get away with charging two, three, or five dollars more mm-hmm. than what you could for just a normal toy for a kid. Right. And I think I've I've told you before and maybe even the last time I was on here, I really think they're they're gearing more towards that kind of stuff and a lot of the stuff you see now is all vintage uh, toy lines. Right. So they're gearing more towards collect uh, collectors because I don't think toy companies nowadays can figure kids out. You know, I think they're so even more so than when we were kids, they're so quick to move on from one thing to another. And it takes, I mean, I'm sure at least a solid year, even if you speed things up, to come up with a marketing plan to get these figures ready and then get them out on the shelves. And by the time you actually get them to the shelves, you know, kids have probably moved on to something else. But if you can put all your time and attention into Ninja Turtles or He-Man, you know, you know you're always going to have you know, people our age or even younger or older, you know, they're always going to be into that, you know, if that's what they're doing and they're collecting. So I think it's safer, it's a safer way to invest your money, you know, to invest in collectors and collectibles than it is to try to figure out what it is kids are into this week (laughs) and try to guess what they're going to be into a year from now. Well, and that's the thing is it's totally different now. Most kids are into YouTube than, you know, we didn't have that obviously when we were young. So, yeah. Again, kids are, are are much different as far as what they play with and stuff like that. So I think I think you you said that before, and I think you're on to something because you're also we're also not seeing toy lines that are like usually brand new. Oftentimes, it's Star Wars, it's wrestling, it's Ninja Turtles, it's He Man, GI yeah. Joe. These are all properties from the 70s and 80s. I even saw uh, Beast Wars the other day, which right. I didn't think that was ever popular, but they brought that back too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that was that, from what the nineties, maybe. Sure, but that was I was like their rebranding of Transformers to get that popular again. Yep. Yeah. So uh, again, I think if if they focus on that that collector who's now probably in his thirties that's still checking out the toy aisle, it, it's a smart it's a smart strategy for sure. But I know you've also brought up a point, and we can kind of end it on this because I think this is something to let people think. If this generation is not into figures, like this generation of kids, who's going to be the collectors in twenty years? Yeah, see, I don't know, and I'm trying to I'm trying to see like you know you guys like you and me. You know, when we're 50, are we still going to be into collecting, you know, Ninja Turtles and stuff? Right. I don't Maybe we will. I don't, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, then it's kind of like, what do you do? You know, it, will there even be 
and who knows by then, you know, the digital world and everything else. Right. I mean, NFTs, I mean, is that the future for people? You know, we're going to do away with all physical forms of media, all physical toys, and everything's going to be digital. Um, I really I don't, don't the, think the NFTs, so. I have a hard time figuring out why that's popular or expensive, but it's out there. I've tried to – I've had people explain that to me, and I'm like, okay, but still, why? You know? <laughs> And someone's like well, at work was like, well, yeah, you'd buy a movie digitally, and I'm like, right, because I can watch it. It's still watching the movie, like it's not. Right. I wouldn't buy a digital case, you know. Like, yeah. So again, and I like I understand like there's you know Kindle for books and stuff like that, and and, and but you can still read the book. So I don't know, like a digital picture of an action figure. I don't see myself buying that, but I don't either. But I mean, like so, like Funko, they've been getting into that too now, so they've got. NFT, they came out Ninja Turtles and Bob Ross, and, and uh, it's this, and I watched someone, you know, do it, and it's this, oh, they, it's a digital pack of cards, and it digitally rips it open, and it's, you know, spreads them all out, and then you go through, and the little figures on the cards move, and I guess then you own the rights to that card, and somehow you, you can trade them or whatever, sell them online, but uh yeah I don't I don't get the appeal and I especially don't get it for the amount that they're going for, you know. Yeah, I don't either. I, I you know, but again, I've seen so many weird fads come and go, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. But dude, this has been a lot of fun catching up and stuff. I I'm sure we'll do it again down the road. I I don't think you do social media too much. I do believe you're on Facebook though. Yeah, so I've got uh oh a little side project that I do called Atomic Fandom which uh, is essentially just a T-shirt uh, little business that I do. But then also I like to post a lot of fun things online. So I think today I even posted a top 10 video games uh, for a 90s sleepover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so back in the day when you would have sleepovers at a, at a friend's house, the games you would have played. So Sure. Well, I, anyway, well, yeah, that's about all, all, about, all I'm into right now. Yeah, I, uh, I know with your, uh, with your page it's a lot of fun. I saw a thing you posted the other day, and it was like, um, if like that, the seventies guy, Mike awesome was today, it would have been like the 97 guy or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like things to make you feel old basically. Uh, huh. yeah, it's weird to think about. It really is. But dude, this has been a lot of fun and hopefully we can do it again down the road. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, I am back here to close it up on this episode with the one and only Daniel Cross. Um, big shout out to him. I appreciate him joining me on the show. Uh, make sure to check out Atomic Fandom over on Facebook. It's really the only social media he does. But, you know, Daniel's a fun guy to follow because he does post toys. But, excuse me, he also posts a bunch of fun stuff on his page, like I mentioned at the top of the show, wrestling wrestlers on TV shows. He's also done, um, you know, wrestlers first world title reigns or wrestlers who never were a world champion or, you know, things like that. It's, it's, it's really cool stuff. So, uh, and also just, uh, toy lines. I, I, like I mentioned before, like kind of forgotten toy lines or, or underrated toy lines. He's done that as well. So some really fun stuff. So check out atomic fandom. It is an amazing page for Facebook and Facebook has so much negativity. It's good to have one of those positive pages to follow. That's, that's just about fun, which I think is, uh, something we could all learn a bit from uh, social media, right? Like if it, 
I'm going to throw this out there. A good buddy of mine, Ethan Chambers, just recently got back on Twitter, and he said he's just going to do it on his laptop and not keep it with him all the time, meaning a smartphone, right? And we all do it. And and I've talked to Bane about this and Travis from TV Toycast and other people that I'm watching a movie I want to watch, but I'm scrolling through Facebook. I don't care about this. Why am I doing this? Who does that? I mean, do you guys do that too? Why do we do that? Um, why do I care what people are posting on Instagram while I'm watching a movie? Like I can catch up later, right? I can check it out when I'm you know taking a dump, right? That's what your phone is for. So it's it's very it's very weird how it's hard to pay attention to certain things when you're on your phone. And there's been times, like I said, I've watched a movie or a TV show and I don't really totally remember every little thing. Like I'm, I'm hearing it. It's in the background. It's a background noise, but I'm focused on my phone and I don't, I don't know why we do that, but, um, I don't know where I was going with that tangent, but just, uh, you know, make social media a positive thing. Cause I think that's what it should be. Not so negative. Uh, my guest, uh, this coming week will be a fun one. Space cowboy. Jason Jones will be joining me for the first time ever. Uh, he stopped over to the podcast studio here. We uh, dropped this a few weeks ago. He actually bought me his favorite energy drink, which was a, a Red Bull. It was actually really good, too, and I'm not a big Red Bull guy. Um, you know, I drank them back in the day when that was kind of like the energy drink, but um, once like Monster and Bang and all those things kind of became popular, I didn't really mess with them anymore. But uh, yeah, really fun guy to talk to. You know, he's, a, he's kind of a, a guy that does everything in wrestling. He'll, he'll ring in now he'll manage, he'll wrestle. He's a promoter. Um, even works a little bit with slap fight. We'll get into that. So really fun guy to talk with. And, uh, I'm definitely looking forward uh, to everyone hearing my conversation with the space cowboy space cowboy, excuse me, which will be coming up next week. And of course, uh, you know, this past week, uh, was WrestleMania or this weekend. Actually, it's a pretty fun show. I don't know. Did you guys watch it all? Did you watch the hall of fame and everything? I know it's a lot to take in. Um, I still want to check out a replay of Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor. That looked like a really fun show. I really want to watch FTR and the Briscoes. But, man, it's hard to keep up with everything wrestling. I worked all weekend, so I was actually planning to go down to Dallas at least for a day or two. I wanted to meet up with uh, with Jeff and Soda Hunter and Steve from the PPW and a few other people I knew that were going to be in Dallas. But I uh, just wasn't in the cards from a work schedule perspective, so I wasn't able to make it happen. But hopefully sometime down the road I'll be able to make a WrestleMania trip and get to hang out with uh, all the people that come down there for him. But but uh, Jeff uh, from Fully Posed also celebrated a birthday yesterday. So happy birthday to Jeff. Uh, great guy, and I hope to get to meet him at some point. And all the Ohio players out there, the plan is still in place. I plan to be in Ohio in August for PowerCon, uh, which is like a He-Man Masters of the Universe convention. So if you're in that area, hit me up. I... I I don't know my exact schedule yet, but I'm probably going to be in town for about three or four days. So, um, you know, if we can do some type of meetup, I think that would be awesome. I would love to meet all you guys and, uh, of course, get the classic group picture, which is always a, a fun thing to do. So if you're in that area, please hit me up and hopefully we can make that happen. Of course, I want to give a shout out to some of my uh, podcasting buddies like the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast, dropping a new show every Sunday. Uh, great show and great dudes. Make sure to check them out. And, of course, Scott's side project, Drunk Wrestling History. Uh, doing the Favor with Eric and Barry is another fun one. We love those guys. They drop a couple different types of shows, watch-alongs, sports podcasts. Give them a follow as well. The Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast with Steve and Eric. Um, great stuff. Uh, love that show. 
Um, and it's a positive look at pro wrestling, which is, again, something we need more in our, in our world. Uh, the Ringside Rant with RJ, the Leisure and Lariat's podcast with Ruthless Ryan Davidson. Boot to the Face with Marty and Rucker. Tales from the Estate with Drew Vinsel and his wife, Caitlin. Um, in fact, uh, Marty and uh, and Rucker and uh, Drew and Eric and, and uh, another friend of ours, Nick Haddix, were all doing WrestleMania Shirt Week. Um, I saw them doing it last year. I thought it was really fun. Basically, they wore a new shirt every day for the week of WrestleMania, which was really fun. So I got to bust out some fun ones. I, I have a Cincinnati Reds or Randy Poffo shirt. Of course, as everyone knows, is Macho Man Randy Savage. It was made by Homage. It's like part of their like Major League Baseball collection, but I'm like, my God, that is amazing. So that's what I wore uh, Sunday, and uh, everyone seemed to like it. Uh, Drew, of course, had some great ones. Uh, the Haddocks Boys, Eric, um, Rucker, they all had... They had some great shirts, so fun thing to participate in, WrestleMania Shirt Week. If you guys don't know about it, it's a, it's a fun time. And then, of course, wreck my podcast with Jordan Zeilinger and his crew over there, talking all things pop culture. Trivia with Buds with Ryan Buds, dropping new trivia every single day. Howlin' with the Wolf with our pal Jason Wolf, and don't forget about the Chop Shop. And, of course, he's also been rocking that guitar lately, dropping some uh, tunes. So um, I think it's really cool, a multi-talented guy. Uh, pulling up a chair with our buddy Tim over at a chair shop. Night of the Nerdy Laser podcast with our buddy Richard and his friend Matt talking all things horror films and catching up with Aaron and Daniel. And of course our other shows, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, the flagship podcast dropping every Sunday. No Holds Barred with Bill Benus and Big Underscore Bane. And then the TB Toycast every Thursday with me and Travis Fowler talking a retro toy line. And also, uh, check out all of our t-shirts, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash Brian Breaker, bbph.redbubble.com, and whatamaneuver.net. In fact, uh, if you check out our Redbubble store, we've got quite a few um, old school Breaker and Bane Power Hour uh, shirts that kind of fly under the radar. I've been posting a few of them lately, so check those out. I think you might find some uh, some fun ones. And whatamaneuver.net, I mean, we've got a TB Toycast store with two shirts now. We've got a Breaker and Mains Power Hour store with three shirts, but then all the other guys I listed, you know, Fully Posable, Doing the Favor, the PPW, Ringside Rant, Boots to the Face, Tales from the Estate. Um, I think that's it. They all have shirt stores. Of course, GBM. And Dobro have shirt stores as well over on What a Maneuver. So you can support a lot of people um, through whatamaneuver.net. So check out our merch. Check out all our stuff. And I appreciate you checking out this show. And remember, as the great Johnny Valentine once said, I cannot make you believe that pro wrestling is real. But I sure as hell can make you believe that I am. I'm Brian Breaker. This has been You Know It's Fake, right? And we'll see you guys next week. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. I've been around for a minute, and I can stand toe-to-toe with the best of the minute. Don't give a damn about critics, they talk a lot, but at the end of the night, I'm selling the tickets. All the tough guys avoid me, the ladies all adore me, paparazzi record me, I can put on a clinic, all my opposers are born.